Hello everybody, I'm your host Hal Curtis and I'd like to welcome you to The Space Industry by Satsearch, where we share stories about the companies taking us into orbit. In this podcast, we delve into the opinions and expertise of the people behind the commercial space organisations of today who could become the household names of tomorrow. Before we get started with the episode, remember you can find out more information about the suppliers, products and innovations that are mentioned in this discussion on the global marketplace for space at satsearch.com. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm joined today by Thomas Sin, CEO and founder of Deployables Cubed. Deployables Cubed, or DQed for short, is a manufacturer of actuators and deployable structures for nanosatellites. And today we're going to discuss the new space sector and delve into uh, DQed's products and heritage in the industry. So thank you very much for being here today, Thomas. Is there anything you'd like to add to that introduction? Thank you very much for having me, Harold. You did a very good uh, summary. I don't have anything to add uh, right now. Okay, great. So um, firstly, this term new space has been around for you know a few years now, but I think in many ways it's still kind of a little bit ill-defined, and especially for those who with less familiarity of the space industry in general. So I just wondered if you could just explain a little bit about what does new space mean to you? Yeah, that's a very good question because I um, see there's um, many different um, meanings of uh, new space. It seems like everybody is uh, using it uh, separately to account for a change of how things are done in the space industry. And for me, new space uh, clearly is the commercialization of space to develop uh, products that can then really generate uh, businesses in space. So we are not building products to enable uh, missions, science missions, what the government is set out uh, to do. It's more figuring out how we can get space as a business source. For example, now the trend goes away from satellites that are taking decades uh, to build, that are uh, the size of a bus, uh, multiple tons in weight, to uh, hundreds and thousands of uh, tiny satellites that can be produced uh, quickly and uh, cheaply and also launched rather cheaply. And they enable really exciting new missions like internet from space, going to the moon uh, commercially and these uh, things. So it's really like a shift in the space industry away from governments to private uh, businesses. And we are very happy to be in this uh, field. Part of the shift that you mentioned there has been the greater use of commercial off-the-shelf products, you know, so-called COTS products individual models that are readily available that have been you know tried verified and tested and are sold in the configuration that the the manufacturer produces them and are used as as almost standardized parts but a satellite is obviously a number of complex and interconnected systems and subsystems so with regards to this new space sector in your view how much of a satellite do you think is or, or can be composed of cots solutions today in your opinion and also maybe if you could answer how far away we are do you think before we see a satellite that purely works on by integrating you know cots components in, in total yeah, so the thing is if we really want to launch hundreds and thousands of these satellites into space we also need to produce them in an economic uh, nature and this in our opinion can only be done with uh, commercially off-the-shelf products because when we are looking at uh, serial production and we compare it what happened to the car industry from a couple of decades ago in order to have a viable product at the end it needs to be all standardized and uh, right now there's already some 
components that are uh, rendered, like the uh, PC104 uh, standard, where you can just uh, plug and play, but it's not always uh, working. So you, it's sometimes hard combining different uh, components from different uh, manufacturers, then they don't talk to each other. And this is something where we uh, need to go towards to really make new space possible. Yeah, I think the um, the heritage of the automotive industry is is an important lesson, is a set of important lessons that we can learn from. And I think when you consider how many different types of components go into creating a car, there are obviously many different standardized structural components. Whereas in space, I think we're more often dealing with uh, electronics and, and adopting industrial grade electronics for space missions has been a, a major feature of bringing in COTS products into the space industry. Do you think there's any more to this or are COTS electronics and other components maybe simply about bringing in low costs and greater reliability of industrial grade components? Yeah, that's the thing with new spaces. The question is, does it always need to be this high, high, high uh, reliability or is it okay if you have a reliability of 99%? And this could be really a main cost driver. So you can uh, really greatly use the cost of your whole satellite. And if you launch hundreds and thousands of them, you will save a lot, which then in retrospect can enable really advanced missions that are not possible if you would do it the old classic way. And in a way, the electronics already paved the way because there is uh, more and more high uh, power computer chips that can be used now on satellites. They maybe uh, work shorter times, but uh, with uh, cheaper and cheaper launches, you can just launch always the most up-to-date uh, satellite up into space. And then uh, when you deorbit it, there's also no space debris issue. And with that, you bring forward a whole industry. Because uh, if you look at a, a big satellite, I was also working for ESA for a while, and you saw what kind of electronics they are running on there, yeah, it's not the top-notch electronics. It's something a couple of decades old, but it's reliable. So this is why I really think with electronic, it started, but now it's the, the consideration where we can go next. Yeah, absolutely. But there are several steps that are involved in taking a product from a concept to a, a design and an initial prototype through to a product that's brought to market in the space sector. And there are steps that you know are, are not that do not have to be gone through in other industries because of the the nature of space. So, what's DCube's you know sort of philosophy that you follow in turning a, a component into a COTS product? So, in the projects and companies I was working before, there was mostly the idea to making things one of developments uh, just for one customer uh, that had a current need for these uh, developments. Now we are looking at a different approach, different philosophy here at DQ, where we look with our expertise in mechanisms and deployable structures, which customers or which range of customer could see a need for standardized mechanism or deployable structure. So we are then trying to get requirements and specifications from multiple customers to really see that there's a market for it. And then we start our development with some prototyping uh, first while working together with a couple of customers that have the same line requirements, uh, specification, and then we can very quickly develop this commercially off-the-shelf product, 
which at the end is win-win for uh, them because they get better and cheaper product when we are through with it. And for us, we have then not just a single development, we just have then a new product that we can bring into market and help to bring the new space revolution forward. Great. So it's about validating it with more than one potential customer and then really developing something for that that suits the whole market, which may be different to what the specifications you get from one customer, wouldn't it? So um, that's a really interesting approach. So in fact, could I just ask, what do you see as the most important thing about bringing a new product to the market? It's having a market for this product is, of course, the more important thing. But it's also see it uh, as critical to bring a product into space very soon. So really uh, launching it into space, showing that it works there. Because I've seen it so many times that uh, there have been developments that were lasting for decades. And it was just sitting in meetings after meetings and you discuss is the analysis now right? Are the testing with the gravity offloading? Is it really like it will be in space? And we then saw, yeah, why are we not just launching it in space? There is right now here in Europe and also in the rest of the world more and more in orbit demonstration missions of all these small sat launches. And they gives us a great opportunity to just put something on within just a couple of weeks or months before the launch. Right now, even we uh, just shipped uh, this morning our first flight model of a, a deployable selfie stick to according to our colleagues at Sub Revolution. And this uh, mission will be already flying in uh, June. And thinking of last year in summer, it was not planned. So it's just doing something uh, quicker, bringing it into space, because when you see a picture of product in space, nobody can argue that it will not work in space anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And um, best of luck with, with the mission, I'm sure. Thank you. It's very exciting. Just to bring the conversation back slightly to the concept of COTS components, we've mentioned some of the areas where COTS components have been used. And as you've said, this thing, electronics is, is a good area to, to focus on, although that means you know, many different assist subsystems in satellites. I wondered if you thought that there are any areas that maybe areas of products that could be turned into COTS in the market today that maybe people are not focusing on so much or the development's lagging a little behind? Where could we see standardization, you know, where we're not? Yeah, you're completely right with the electronics. We already seeing it greatly, especially in CubeSat, now more also spilling over to the small set industry. And also with CubeSat trials, there's more and more standardization. But uh, where we see potential is on developments that could be used for different missions. So uh, right now, if you look at antennas, most of them are just for a single uh, mission or for a whole constellation. So here I see at least with high definition or high performance antennas, not a good way to go for uh, commercially off the shelves. But if you're looking at other things like deployable uh, solar arrays, it's like uh, you need power, especially when you go uh, towards more and more uh, powerful uh, computers on board. This is something that can be uh, commercially off the shelf. Then also the orbiting systems. This will become a hot topic once the policies are in place of reducing uh, the space debris. And then I really think that also launchers, the more and more we get, the more commercially off the shelf their interfaces, their 
deployment concepts will become. So these where I really see there is a big potential. And the nice thing is with the new space, we can talk about different concepts today. But when we talk again in half a year, it could look uh, completely different because the advancement is so uh, quick, so fast. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, it's back to the looking for the needs of multiple customers as opposed to as opposed to just one or two, which is maybe how innovation in the space industry has come about in years past. We're not in that not in that world anymore. And like you say, the world we're in today is changing rapidly. Um, so to to link this then to uh, DCube's work. Actuators and deployable mechanisms, you know, they're very important when it comes to mission reliability. Are there any specific approaches to developing COTS-based actuators or deployables because of the mechanical element, which goes beyond the electronic element that we've that we've discussed? Yeah, so we said uh, right from the beginning, know quite uh, well how to do a mechanism. We never dare to uh, look into the electronic world. But now taking the parallels on what has been done in the electronics towards commercially off the shelf and then really applying this to uh, the actuators and deployables. And here is uh, next to uh, really figuring out what are the uh, standard interfaces? Does it fit to multiple uh, different mission, different uh, satellites? This is uh, somewhere where we go. And then when we look at the mission criticality of these systems. Here, it's a lot of uh, testing was into these products and we are starting uh, quite uh, early. As soon as we have an idea on how we can tackle the uh, problem, we start building a prototype. We also have uh, different uh, 3D printers. We have all the machines in our uh, lab and then really try to see uh, how it can work. And then we learn from these uh, tests and then we do uh, multiple iteration steps until we uh, come to a point where we say, ah, this works reliably. And then it's really launching it into space, uh, as I said before, and really showing that it works in space. And if it does not work uh, the first time, we just try again. We uh, learn from our mistakes and just improve the product the next time we send it. And then this uh, all prepares then the uh, market uh, release uh, to our customers. Right, excellent. And, and as you mentioned, there's a mission uh, underway right now, so or in the, in the process of being uh, of being set up. So that's that's fantastic to learn how these systems engineering approaches are carried through and yeah, iterating on on the designs and validating the, the technology as far as you can at each stage. And I think. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is particularly important with deployable systems because there's often an added complexity in, in the mechanisms compared to you know inbuilt components, integrated components, which adds, which can add a little bit of risk to the mission. So, I mean, you've mentioned there the iterative validation, but maybe you could explain a little bit more about how you uh, how you mitigate some of those risks. The risk mitigation is uh, very critical in deployables because. As you said, there's a lot of mechanism involved there, especially when you think of very big deployable structures. So going towards antennas that are uh, 10, 20 meters in diameter is getting really uh, complex. So one of the uh, main uh, risk mitigation techniques that we are applying is the increasing the reliability by uh, simplification. So we are really trying to see how complex does the whole mechanism uh, need to be. Because 
at the end is uh, we need something small in the rocket, in the launcher, because their space is uh, limited. And there you don't want to uh, come out of the CubeSat uh, box. But then when you're in space, you want to have something big, uh, like an antenna or a um, solar array. And we are looking uh, more towards like a completely uh, passive uh, deployment. So no need for uh, motors or any crazy uh, mechanism. We are just going for the simplest approach. And then it's, we are really following this iteration of design, prototyping, uh, testing, uh, learning from the test and iterating until we have the reliability that we need. And then we go into space and show that it hopefully works. That's, well, that's, that's really interesting. I think um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that people can take away from there, a lot of possibilities for expanding on individual missions or, or services, multiple, multiple satellite services that um, could use deployables in different ways. So that's really interesting. I, I guess finally then, just to build on that, I wondered where you saw the, the field of actuators and deployables moving in the next you know, three to five years, what areas of innovation are you most excited about? Perhaps, you know, you could mention a little bit about the, the space selfie stick and, and what, what comes next for, for Dcubed and your uh, your portfolio or take it in any, any direction you'd like to. We are very much uh, looking forward to the coming years because it's so much uh, movement right now in the uh, space world, like in classic space with our Artemis, and then what, when you see what's happening with SpaceX and the uh, Starship they are launching every couple of weeks, it's like really crazy. And I really think that uh, in the coming years, we see a whole new world developing. And I see our products with the actuators and the deployables playing a key role here. Because a little bit backstory, how we got into the uh, actuators was just something that when we had a mission uh, two years ago, we did not uh, find a mechanism to employ one of our deployable structures. So we started to uh, making this company. And over uh, the last two years, we realized how many different applications uh, this can be used for. Because we originally thought uh, it's just for triggering the release of a deployable, but now our products are used in releasing uh, satellites uh, from CubeSat uh, deployers and also for uh, space separation. We are on board of the astrobotic uh, mission to the moon, which will uh, deploy a rover uh, next year. This is the preparation for the Artemis mission. This is uh, very exciting. And we, we really see this actuator as a, a door opener. Like It is a door opener if you look at the uh, CubeSat deployer. <laughs> And now as we are getting more and more into the deployables, we see a great potential in like solar arrays because you have more and more uh, power missions, but then also uh, crazier developments like the uh, space selfie stick. It uh, just came out of the idea. Yeah, we want to have a picture of our mechanism. Let's just put a camera on a boom and uh, see it. And it really got a nice product with a launch uh, quite soon. And here I really see great uh, potential because we need big structures in space in the coming years for more power, for bringing data down, but also for space debris removal uh, concepts. And there I see a big need. And the idea could be 
that could be paired with uh, in-space manufacturing. So having in-space assembly, in-space manufacturing, and some deployable structures that could really make very advanced missions possible. So first stop is low Earth orbit, then the moon, and then Mars and asteroids. I think we will be there in the next five years. Fantastic. Well, that's a really exciting vision that you've painted there. I think that's a that's a great place for us to wrap things up. So yeah, be, like I've said, best of luck with, with the missions and with the uh, development of the portfolio in, in the direction that you've explained at Dcubed. And thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today, Thomas. And thank you very much. I was very excited to talk to you. And I'm looking forward when we talk again in a couple of months or years and see where we are in the new space world. And thank you to all our listeners for spending time with us today. Remember, you can, if you want to find out more about Dcubed, you can go to the Satswitch platform where you can find information on all of the products and background of the company and also use the free request system to get more details, documentation, quotes, uh, introductions to key personnel, whatever it is you require relating to the business. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space Industry by Satsurge. I hope you enjoyed today's story about one of the companies taking us into orbit. We'll be back soon with more in-depth, behind-the-scenes insights from private space businesses. In the meantime, you can go to satsearch.com for more information on the space industry today or find us on social media if you have any questions or comments. To stay up to date, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can also get each podcast on demand on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store or whichever podcast service you typically use.